This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, we wanted to take the opportunity to consider how the Bay Area might be improved by the Biden administration's big spending bills. The first, which passed last month, earmarked $1 trillion for infrastructure, some for priorities like expanding broadband access and cleaning up drinking water. That $1 trillion figure was well short of the $2.3 trillion the president wanted before he compromised with Senate Republicans. Still, these investments in big infrastructure allow us to grapple with some of the biggest challenges in the Bay Area, among them a rising ocean, the drought, wildfires, housing, and more. That's what Chronicle political reporter Tal Copen has been thinking about in recent weeks. She's been talking to leaders around the region about big swing, often shovel-ready projects that are looking for funding, from earthquake preparedness on the Golden Gate Bridge, to an unfinished train system in the North Bay, to a particularly troublesome train crossing in Burlingame. Tall, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tall, it's fascinating stuff. People are always very interested in the Bay Area's big swing projects. But first, give us a sense of where the government is on these spending bills and the politics that have been swirling around these proposals. It's kind of funny with how long it took to get these projects across the finish line. It was almost like blink and you missed that one of them is now law. Like, it's done. The bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, as it's sort of been labeled, uh, is is signed into law. Now, it'll take some time for that money to actually get out the door. A lot of it is creating new grant programs that don't even exist yet, so those have to be stood up and criteria has to be written, et cetera. But that one, which was a negotiation between Joe Biden and Republicans that actually passed with a significant number of Republican votes is complete. But almost immediately, and part of why it got lost in the shuffle a little bit, attention turned to the counterpart bill, which has been labeled the quote-unquote build back better uh, infrastructure bill. That's what we think of as more of the social infrastructure package, stuff like child care, TBD on paid leave, but it would be in there if it gets done, uh, elder care, some healthcare, you know, items, some of the housing stuff. So that bill has passed the House, but it is now before the Senate. And we've gotten into this question of what will make the cut in terms of these procedural tactics that Democrats are using to get past the Senate filibuster. And so there's the sort of parliamentarian check. And then there's the Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema check. <laughs> and it will have to pass both those gates before it can become law. And so we're waiting to see what the Senate is going to change in the House bill in order to get it across the finish line. And, you know, every day more bad news comes out about inflation. Republicans get more time to take shots at it. It gets harder and harder to convince people to support pieces of it. So it's still very much a moving target. 
And we know that the Trump administration talked a lot about infrastructure, but did ah, not infrastructure week did not pass anything. Uh, put a lot of weight into into tax cuts, as we know. What is the motivation for the Biden administration here in trying to pass these two bills? Well, you know, there were so many infrastructure week jokes, but the motivation is really the same. I mean, for for decades, infrastructure was one of the top priorities of national lawmakers. I mean. You know, you go back to the days of the highway system being built. I mean, the federal government really, in some ways, exists to take these big swings to make sure that our nation has, you know, world-class infrastructure. It is supposed to be bipartisan. And yes, the Trump administration made themselves a joke uh, over attempting it. The Biden administration, to their credit, actually came in and said, how do we get this done? How do we pass something? And when Republicans came to them and said, we actually do want to work with you on at least some of this. Biden made the decision to separate out, you know, what's Democrats only and cut a deal on what he could actually get Republicans on board with and pass the at least what was bipartisan. Uh, so, you know, I mean, the motivations are are classic, right? It's It's making lives better for Americans. It's making sure that they can get to and from their daily lives on safe, secure and functional, you know, infrastructure. It's it actually addresses climate change in a fairly meaningful way, even though, you know, it was bipartisan and and Democrats wanted more. There's still a lot of recognition of climate resilience in here. And it's jobs, you know, it's it's economic engines for communities. So it's it's sort of a classic political winner in many ways to at least the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the social infrastructure bill many of those ideas are actually really popular. I mean, expanding childcare and access to it. These are popular things. One thing that does come across, though, Tal, is that $1 trillion feels like a lot of money, but is sort of not nearly enough for all of the infrastructure that has been backlogged in the country. Absolutely. You know, one of the reasons I set out to do this piece and, you know, hope that our listeners will turn into our readers and our viewers and <laughs> go online and, and see it is it's really hard to fathom just chunks of money, right? Like what is a trillion dollars? What is a billion dollars? What is a million dollars? What is that actually going to get you at the end of the day? And so a trillion dollars is a gigantic amount of money. And yet a hundred million dollars, it seems like a drop in the bucket out of a trillion. But when I got to reporting it, you start to realize that these, these, buckets of money don't necessarily go as far as you would hope they do when you realize how much projects cost, right? So, you know, for example, in the bill, there's $5 billion, with a B dollars for undergrounding power lines and hardening grids, which sounds like a huge sum of money. but PG And a huge and issue in the Bay Area. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things we dive into in the piece is how that money could really help parts of our area that if they're not suffering from wildfires sparked by power lines, they're suffering from power shutoffs to prevent wildfires, which, you know, really just completely hamper their their livelihoods and their way of life. So it's a real issue. Five billion dollars sounds like, you know, the most amazing windfall until you realize that PG&E estimates it could take 15 billion dollars alone just to underground the power lines that they think they need to underground. So, you know, half a bill half a billion dollars for roads and bridges in very in you know a particular program may sound like a great deal, 
but it costs like $200 million just to fix one intersection these days. It's, you know, and the, and the costs are only going up every day with labor and materials continuing to rise. You mentioned tall. I hope people look at it. What you're referring to is this project, which people can check out at sfchronicle.com slash infrastructure. And it's sort of a tour around the Bay Area, some of the biggest projects, what those look like. It's it's uh, really terrific. I hope people look at it. But Tal, can you tell us about what you did why you, and why you did it? Yeah, absolutely. So I sort of mentioned, you know, one of the, the genesis of this project was like, what does a trillion dollars mean? And what I really wanted to, to answer for, for folks is, what does this mean in my community, right? Like, okay, sure, $10 billion for X, you know, category of, you know, bridges, whatever. $10 billion for bridges in California, great, right? Like, is it going to fix my bridge? And so the way we tackled this, there's a lot of, there's a lot still to be written about what this bill will actually mean. Like I said, some of these grant projects still have to be stood up and then people have to apply for them and see how much they get and whether that covers the cost of the program. Uh, and the money will be over five years. Uh, but what we decided to do was identify one either really big need or shovel-ready project that's got a very good chance of getting money from the bill, one in each of the nine Bay Area counties. And they're all really different. And what's interesting is each one of them is very specific and really a need in that community. But it's also a story that could be repeated you know, each of them nine times or more because each of them reflects needs in all of our communities. And so we hope that in getting so specific, people can also start to get a sense of what it really does look like in the big picture. All right, let's get into some of those projects, Tal. But first, a quick break on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by Chronicle political correspondent, Tal Copen. We're talking about the Biden administration's big spending bills, infrastructure bills, and Tall has taken a look around the Bay Area and some of the shovel-ready projects that may stand to get money. So, Tall, these projects really represent a lot of the big issues in the Bay Area, from fire to housing to child care. I want to start with the Golden Gate Bridge, which needs a lot of money, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think there's any piece of infrastructure in the entire state that is as iconic as the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, it's just a singular, you know, piece of infrastructure. And it's, it's you know, it's not crumbling, certainly, but everyone's, you know, always on the back of their mind worried about the big one. And they haven't been able to 
do we seismic retrofit on the main span of the bridge? And I talked to the, the general manager of the district that oversees the bridge, which I didn't actually know this, but because it's it's a special transportation district, it's not a state uh, district or a locality or a county, they actually don't get any automatic funds from the state because they're a special district. So they actually really struggle in some ways to get infrastructure funds. This bill will make them eligible for a larger, much larger number of them. But they estimate it's going to be over $650 million to get that main span of the bridge to a place where it could withstand a major, major earthquake. Uh, And those costs are only likely to increase as the cost of steel continues to rise and labor and everything else. So it's sort of a quintessential example of what we're talking about here. Well, let's go over to the wildfire crisis, Tall. I mean, in two ways, you you talk about a big bucket of funding being needed. One is forest management, and the other is this uh, PG&E undergrounding of, of the wires. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, if we talk about res- sort of zipping around, you know, zip up to Napa County. I talked to the mayor of Calistoga. His community has been just walloped by both you know, ends of the the power issue about they've been walled by fires and the risk of fires caused by sparking power lines. And they also have really suffered these, uh, you know, so-called public safety power shutoffs. Uh, this is something that the city, which is sort of nearly 150 years old, never dealt with until like three years ago. And now it's just relentless for them. Um, and so, you know, th- PG&E is very optimistic about this this huge sum of money to underground power lines. But again, they need to do they want to do about 10,000 miles of power lines in the state. And it's going to be, you know, a huge, huge cost. So still a major windfall for that, you know, priority. And then again, zooming around, if you go to Contra Costa County, it's actually really interesting. The East Bay Regional Park District they have their own wildfire prevention plan and crews and a fire chief because a lot of their parks really sit between wildland and communities. And they noticed, they've already been working on this, but they noticed this year there were just a number of dead trees and they were sort of like, what's going on? And identified a really, the drought has just really weakened the trees and made them more susceptible to, you know, pest and other sort of, and there's just this massive die-off in the parks. And so they, you know, they estimate one park alone, it's going to cost 20 to $30 million to remove these trees. And it's not, you know, a nice to have. I mean, their fire chief told me she is particularly concerned about some of these parks where these trees are dying off because they basically sit between communities in Oakland and Mount Diablo and if you get the wrong combination of weather patterns, including Diablo winds, and something sparks, I mean, it could be a really, really disastrous situation. So, you know, they are trying to be proactive and they're really encouraged that this bill also has a lot of not just sort of fire recovery money, but real fire prevention funds and and funds for reducing hazardous fuel and work that, you know, People really want to start doing on the front end to try to prevent a catastrophic fire before it gets out of hand. Okay, a big pivot, Tal. I want to talk about childcare. It doesn't get the kind of attention as a crisis that maybe wildfires or the drought do, but it's a big deal and it's been getting kind of worse and worse in the Bay Area. Yeah, as a parent of a toddler, I know it's a (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a big deal for families. I mean, what's really interesting about it is, you know, there's one aspect to this, which is the cost of childcare. It's really expensive and access is a real problem. And there are, there's so many families that need affordable childcare. But there's another piece of the puzzle, which is the childcare industry itself actually being able to meet the demand. And for this example, we actually went to Santa Clara County to San Jose. And there are parts of San Jose that are really, or, you know, in parts of Santa Clara County, I should say, that are really just replete with childcare options. Families and especially affluent families can find childcare rather easily. And then there are parts where it's just a desert. And there are so many families that can't afford it or are waiting for a spot for their children. And there are also childcare centers just with classrooms that are empty and dark because staffing and staff retention are huge difficulty for the industry. You can make more money, you know, working at In-N-Out or, or Costco or any number of places than you can, you know, performing work that is so critical of, you know, caring for our, our children. And so the bill actually, the, this now we're getting into the not passed bill. This is the bill that has only cleared the House and is waiting on the Senate. That bill really wants to tackle both of these issues to both bring the costs down and help the industry be able to raise wages and become more sustainable. And that is really exciting to, to parent and child care advocates. But, you know, we need to see what the final version is to know if it actually meets the need. All right, Tal. Finally, I want to ask you about public transportation. You write about a, a, a couple big improvements that are out there. One is in the North Bay to the, the Smart Rail, which is trying to push further north from Santa Rosa into Windsor and Healdsburg and Cloverdale. But the one I want to ask you about is this one rail crossing that is such trouble in Burlingame. I'm sure people who live there know that this crossing on Broadway is something that's been waiting and waiting to get funding. Yeah. And I mean, this is such a such again, when you talk about some quintessential examples of infrastructure, I mean, this is a pretty classic one of those where I'm sure for people who go through this intersection every day, it's just something that's become like a constant annoyance between the fact that it's really dangerous. I mean, it's where Caltrain and Broadway intersect and it's like five lanes of traffic, six lanes of traffic, you know, trains coming in and out. The gate goes down you know, people get caught in the gate. There are pedestrians trying to cross. There are cyclists. It's just, it's it's hectic and it's, and it's dangerous. On top of that, it causes huge traffic problems when the gate's down. Uh, right now, it's about an hour a day that the gate is down and that, you know, multiplies and compounds. And then they project it's just going to keep going up in terms of time. But, you know, people want, I think, public transit. They want Caltrain to continue to expand service. It's only going to exasperate, though, these problems if these intersections aren't fixed. But again, even though this, this intersection is number one on the priority list of the California Public Utilities Commission, they sort of do this calculation for the greatest need in both in terms of safety and disruption. This intersection beats the nearest competitor by like, 3,000 of their points. I mean, it like doubles. And it's, it is an absolute great need. They can't fund it without like 150 to $200 million from the federal government. And they're just never going to get that without this infrastructure bill. So it's a perfect example of just a great need will make a difference in a community, but they need this big one-time investment that this bill, and this is now the bill that is actually passed, allows for Tall, after doing all this, after speaking to the leaders in the Bay Area, what, what, what were the big takeaways? 
You know, what was really interesting talking to all of them is not just that this money was needed and, and important, but that doing it all at once is greater than the sum of its parts. So one thing that was really interesting I learned is that when Smart Rail lays down new train tracks, they also lay down fiber lines, which expands broadband access. And then they get a little bit of money to supplement the project, and they can also use a little bit of the broadband you know, on their services. And it's a win-win. And both housing advocates and transit advocates talked about the importance of thinking house through housing projects and transit projects at the same time. So by Congress not just adding all this money to the to the opportunities but doing it together really allows for even more possibilities and and urban planners are really excited about this. Tall Copen, thank you so much. Thank you. To read Tall's project that asks the question, how do you spend trillions of dollars? Go to sfchronicle.com slash infrastructure. Thanks to political correspondent Tal Copen for joining me, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.